0: amen we left Jonah chapter 1 there at verse 16 if you don't know about the big fish you'll be in the edge of your seats till next week but over these um, couple of months um, as I said I just want to think a little bit about evangelism it's a time when we often have different kind of focus events for evangelism as you know some of our own folk are away Um, Henry's away, Josh is away, Ben's away with CEF, um, we'll be away with Baptist youth in a few weeks. And so I just thought it would be a good time for us to focus our minds on evangelism. Jonah is is often known as as the reluctant evangelist, and the one who God called and he didn't want to go. And the reluctant evangelist who was swallowed by a big fish. The big theme I want us to see through the book of Jonah is God's sovereign mercy. Yes, Jonah was indeed a reluctant evangelist and reluctant in bringing the message of God's mercy. But God was relentless in showing mercy. And in spite of Jonah and in spite of how eager or reluctant we may be today, god's sovereign mercy will always triumph so that's the big thing god's sovereign mercy a little background information and which you may or may not know jonah was a prophet and the book of jonah that we have in the bible is part of what we know as the 12 minor prophets in our bible they go from hosea through to malachi Jonah came from the northern kingdom of Israel. We know from 2 Kings 14 that he was active as a prophet during the time when King Jeroboam II was king in Israel. We're told in 2 Kings 14 that Jeroboam was an evil king. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and yet in God's mercy... God allowed Israel to restore their borders, to expand their territory. And we're told the borders were restored according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Jonah. So Jonah there, he fulfilled the traditional role of a prophet and bringing God's word to God's people, bringing the message of God's mercy. Although Israel had an evil king who did evil in the sight of the Lord, and God did not punish them or curse them, but he showed mercy, um, allowing them to restore their borders. And if you look through all the minor prophets you will see, they all take on the same role, bringing a message of hope and judgment to God's people. The message of judgment to warn God's people, to call them to repent from their sin and turn to God again, And the message of hope was that they would then know God's rich blessing. The book of Jonah that we have is in two main sections. Um, Those sections are marked by the phrase, the word of the Lord. If you look there, you will see that at chapter 1, verse 1. And you will see it at chapter 3, verse 1. So it's two quite clear-cut sections within the book. And within those two sections, um, there are three dialogues, really. There's an interaction between God and Jonah, then interaction between Jonah and Gentiles, and then there's interaction again between God and Jonah. So that's the kind of makeup of of the book. And you may notice as we go through, um, the only ones who are specifically named are Jonah and God. We don't get details of of, of other people and actually in a way that helps us to see this as a timeless message for all generations. Big theme as I said is God's sovereign mercy and what we're going to do over the four weeks we look at Jonah is simply to follow the narrative through and see god's great mercy and to his people so this morning let's look at chapter one together look with me there at verse one of chapter one now the word of the lord came to jonah the son of amittai one writer has named jonah the commission narrative so everything that happens flows from god's word and command We see from the outset what Jonah himself claims in chapter 2, that salvation belongs to the Lord. What is happening here is God's initiative. It is God's command. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Don't miss the significance of that. What was God's word to Jonah? We see it in verse 2. God said, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. That couldn't be any simpler or any clearer for Jonah. There's an urgency here. Some translations say, Go at once to Nineveh. The prophet Jonah, he's called to arise and go. Go. That's normal for a prophet. He's called to go to Nineveh, and that is unprecedented. We first read of Nineveh in scripture in Genesis chapter 10. It was one of the the founding cities of Assyria. And you may know that the Assyrian Empire became really a thorn in the flesh of Israel. They were the infamous enemy of Israel, always wanting to pull them down. They were fierce and they were cruel. They showed no mercy. And at this time, they were a major city within the Assyrian Empire. They had a population of about 120,000. The king had a residence there in Nineveh. And the city of Nineveh really stood as a symbol of all the Assyrian Empire were about. Nineveh was spiritually and morally corrupt. They were set against God's people. They were evil. And God says that their evil has has come up or ascended before me. And of course that's a, a reminder or a warning I guess to us that that evil or sin that anyone does at any time is always known to the lord but the evil has has come up to god uh, and god has decided enough is enough i am going to intervene and i'm going to do something about this now what is god going to do well that's obvious isn't it they're israel's enemies they're the enemies of god's people god is going to wipe them out well no God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh to call out against it God calls Jonah to do what a prophet ought to do to bring God's judgment and warning so that people might repent and turn to God Jonah is called to bring this message of judgment and hope not to God's people But to a pagan city, to the enemies of God's people. God has a purpose for this great city. God calls Jonah. But, verse 3 Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare. And went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. God said, arise and go to Nineveh that way. Jonah arose and went to Tarshish that way. Literally the opposite direction. And you can see the repeated and um, word Tarsus it's repeated from the presence of the Lord emphasizing the decision that Jonah made and the direction that he took notice also he was called to arise and there's this repeated emphasis on Jonah going down he went down to Joppa down into the boat we see further on he went again down into the inner part of the ship and he laid down and went to sleep. It seems the writer is building this picture, this spiritual picture of Jonah running away from God and the further he goes down, the closer he is moving towards spiritual death. Now, why did Jonah not want to go to Nineveh? At this point, we're not told exactly. We don't get the true motive of his heart here. We can only assume at this point it was because it was God's enemies and it was just so out of his comfort zone for a prophet. But he doesn't want to go and he comes up with a plan to escape from the presence of the Lord. Now, of course, it's silly to try and escape God's presence because we know that God is everywhere. I don't know in Jonah's thinking, was he actually trying to get outside the realm of God's presence or was he trying to get away from the sense of God's presence and call to go to Nineveh? I think the latter is more likely. Tarsus is described in Isaiah as a place that has not heard of God's fame or has not seen his glory. So perhaps Jonah thought this was a good place to go to escape God's call. But we're seeing this conflict between the Lord and Jonah. Verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Verse 3, but Jonah went the opposite way. Verse 4, but the Lord. Look at verse 4. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. God called Jonah jonah walked away god does not stop there because he has a purpose for the city of nineveh now the wind and sea in in the old testament is often um used as a way of showing god's wrath you'll remember in exodus 15 Um, As God was delivering his people from Egypt, he uses the waves, the water to judge to bring his wrath upon the Egyptians. The Psalms and the prophets often speak about wind and sea in relation to God's wrath and judgment. The sea and the ship that Jonah was using as his purpose of escape, God is now using for his own purpose. One writer says, the wind, sea, and ship communicate both God's wrath and affirm his sovereignty. The mariners, the sailors, verse 5. Now these sailors, they were pagans, they were Gentiles. They did not know and trust the Lord. They became afraid as this storm arose. And they began each to cry out to his gods, uh, a bit frantic, in an attempt to try and calm the storm. Then they hurled the cargo into the sea um, to lighten the load. Perhaps they thought, well, this will maybe steady things up if we have a bit of a lighter load. Now, what was Jonah doing while all this was going on? Jonah was sleeping. There are these sailors up above, crying out to be saved. And Jonah, he's underneath. And he's sleeping. Well, the captain, he came to Jonah and he said, Arise. Remember, that's the first word that God spoke to Jonah. I wonder, did it make Jonah think? I wonder where the bell's ringing in his head. You know, who has said arise to me before? Well, the captain said, Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps your God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So, these sailors, they're, they're obviously now thinking that, that this storm was, was sent from Jonah's God. And so, they asked Jonah to cry out to his God on behalf of the people, on behalf of themselves. And from the information we have here, Jonah did not cry out to his God, Jonah did not pray. in verse 7 they've understood through their conversation with Jonah that the storm is judgment so they cast lots to decide who is responsible and of course the lot fell to Jonah and they hit Jonah with five questions verse 8 they come up to Jonah and they say tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us what's your occupation, where do you come from, what's your country, and of what people are you? You see that the franticness of this saying, sin, Look, what on earth is going on here? We need to know. We're dying here. But Jonah said to them, verse 9, he said, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry lands. When Jonah said that. They became exceedingly afraid, verse 10. And now they realize that Jonah is trying to escape. And he's trying to escape from the God who made the sea. And they said to him, what is this that you have done? In other words, how can you be so stupid? He says, Jonah, you are escaping on the sea from the God who controls the sea. Don't you get it? Even these Gentiles can see clearly how foolish it is what Jonah is doing. And they asked Jonah, What should we do that the sea may be quiet? Jonah said verse 12 pick me up and hurl me into the sea then the sea will quiet down for you for I know it's because of me this great tempest has come upon you. Now Jonah's reluctance and stubbornness is actually remarkable. Now yes he says pick me up and hurl me into the sea but In spite of of this absolute chaos, he's still trying to escape from what God wants him to do. Notice that he didn't repent. Notice he didn't say, God, I'm sorry, I've had enough of running away, I, I can see the chaos I've caused, just send me now to Nineveh and I will go. No. He said, hurl me into the sea. Perhaps he thought, perhaps he hoped, This would be the end of him and that would be his escape from going to Nineveh and in that he could also save these sailors. Well the men weren't brave enough to do that. They began to row hard to get him back to dry land and save themselves but the sea grew more and more turbulent and realising that their own efforts were pointless Realizing that they weren't going to save themselves, they cried out to God for mercy, verse 14. They cried, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. You see this? These sailors are now praying to the true God. They now recognize that this was the only way for them to be saved. And so the men hurled Jonah into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. In verse 16, the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And we see through this, almost the, the progression of these sailors' Um, almost understanding of the lord the progression of their fear of god firstly they were afraid of the storm verse 5 and which god was sending it verse 10 they were exceedingly afraid when they knew it was the god who controlled the sea now verse 16 the men feared the lord exceedingly what suggests to us, they were now in awe of who God is. They had understood who God is and they were offering him worship. This storm scene that we have before us, it's, it's very similar to a storm scene in the Gospels. You may remember that Jesus got into a boat with his disciples to escape a crowd. And a great windstorm arose. Um, Jesus was asleep while the disciples were panicking. They woke Jesus up and said, Do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and the waves. And the disciples were left in fear and wonder at who Jesus is. Now, of course, there are contrasts between the two scenes. Jonah was able to sleep content running away from the call of God. Jesus was able to sleep content as he was embracing the call of God. The storm came to Jonah as God's wrath. The storm came to Jesus and the disciples proving that Jesus himself was Lord of creation and the one who could quiet God's wrath. Jonah does accept the blame. God's wrath comes upon him as he's hurled into the sea while others are saved. Jesus too accepts the blame but not for himself but for the sins of others god's wrath comes upon him on the cross while those who cry out to god can receive mercy instead of wrath now as we close i just want to make two um two simple applications for us and the first is this trust God's sovereign working trust God's sovereign working even when it takes us where we don't want to go it's very obvious Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh as you often we will we'll say to children if they don't want to go somewhere or do something we'll say we can do this the easy way or the hard way But either way, you will do it. Jonah, of course, chose the hard way. He tried to escape. He tried to run away. He tried to take control himself. But, of course, that was futile. Because God brought a storm. God made the lot fall on Jonah. God made the sailors hurl Jonah into the sea and all to bring Jonah to the place where he wanted him to be and to fulfill his purpose. You see, God does not give up on his purpose and God does not give up on his people. And you know, in life, we often find ourselves in circumstances that we don't want to be in. Circumstances we would love to escape from the most mundane things of everyday life to the most traumatic experiences of life. And yet, we've got to trust and we've got to rest that God is in control and that God has us where we are just now for his own purpose. And we've also got to trust that if God wants us to be somewhere else, or wants us to be in a different scenario, he is more than able to make that happen. And I guess, I suppose we have a choice. We we can face current circumstances, trying to escape, trying to change what we cannot change, screaming and protesting we can trust in a sovereign God who does not give up on his purpose and does not give up on his people the second thing is this simply learn from Jonah, share the gospel willingly if we are trusting in God's control and where he has us for his purpose and he has us in that place to share his mercy. Now you know we don't. We haven't had specific calls like Jonah. But isn't scripture clear? But the call on all Christians is to make disciples, Matthew 28. The call on all Christians is to let their light shine before others, Matthew 5. The call of all Christians is to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, 1 Peter 2. Learn from Jonah. Don't run away from God's call upon your life. Don't be sleeping. I thought about this briefly on on Thursday evening. Don't be sleeping when it's time to wake up and to pray and to cry out to God for those around us who are dying without salvation. Don't be sleeping. Wake up. Be alert to the cries of people around us for peace and life and salvation that only God can bring. These cries, they may be obvious, they may be more subtle, but they're there and we've got to be awake and we've got to be alert. So where has God placed you? Where do you live? Where do you work? Who are the people you are currently in contact with what are your current circumstances that's where god has placed you now here's the real challenge and and i leave us on a challenge this morning when was the last time you shared the mercy of god with someone who does not yet know now, I don't mean the last time you talked about being at church, or I don't mean the last time you invited someone to a church meeting. When was the last time you shared about the mercy of God in Jesus Christ? And I can assure you, I asked myself that as well. Do we willingly share the gospel? Or are we a bit more like Jonah than we would like to admit? We run in the opposite direction. We would rather do anything but share the gospel where God has placed us and called us. May God show his mercy to us and bring us to where he wants us to be. Let's pray. Loving God, as we consider this, this first part of Jonah and your call upon his life, we are Firstly, just blown away by your control um, over Jonah's life and over all things. Your control over creation, your control over unbelievers, all to bring about your good purposes. All that others might know and come to know your mercy. And God, I pray that this morning that each of us would really rest in who ye are that you are a God in control and regardless of what our current circumstances are regardless of those things that life brings to us that, that what we don't want from the mundane to the particularly traumatic Lord we pray that we will have some sense of who you are of your control of your relentless pursuit to show your mercy. Lord, help us simply to know that you do not give up on your purpose and you do not give up on your people. Thank you that you didn't give up on Jonah. But yeah, Lord, may we learn from him too. May we gladly, may we willingly um, share your great mercy with others where you have placed us and where you have called us. Father, forgive us when we are too quick to run the other direction. Forgive us when we are too quick to take conversation in another direction. Lord, we ask for your mercy upon us. Change us, we pray. Give us a heart for the lost around us. Give us courage to move towards and to speak, and to gladly proclaim Christ where ye have placed us. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen.